You've played the missions, but do you really know the lore? We are here to be your guides. Your guardians. This is Guardians of Lore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, Guardians. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is a little lore episode. Well, kind of going to end up being a medium lore episode. Medium lore episode. <laughs> Let's go. For the Radiant Excipiter. I'm going to be the host this time. I am Elemist. I am Wicked. And we got some podcast info. We encourage feedback. That can be sent to us on Twitter at Guardians underscore lore, at Hey It's Orchid, or at I underscore am underscore Elemist. You can email us at Guardians underscore lore at Outlook.com. You can leave us a review wherever you find the podcast. And if you do, let us know about it. We like reading them. Or you can just jump into our Discord. The invite is down in the episode description, but if you just want to type it all out, it's discord.gg slash lorehub. You can also find our info on thelorenetwork.com alongside many impressive lore content creators. And wait for it. We're still there. There it is. <laughs> I didn't even wait for it. I just jumped straight into it. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So this week at Guardians of Lore, the Twoggle, we are temporarily diving into something that's kind of heavy. Uh, so this week, uh, there was something that came out with Bungie and IGN. IGN released a rather large article. You can go read it on their website. Bungie retweeted um, or Bungie came out with their response. Pete Parsons released a letter illustrating a lot of horrific working conditions that Bungie, especially the narrative team, have gone through over the past several years since D1 and probably honestly before with other games that um, that people have gone through. And if you want the specifics, I recommend you go read the article on IGN. We support the people who've come forward with their stories over the last several weeks and what they experienced while working for Bungie. The IGN article that illustrated the horrific and difficult working environment that the narrative team and others endured since the beginning of Destiny 1, uh, it's unfathomable. People shouldn't have to go through that. Right. It's awful. And our good friend Mylon Games, he made a video about his time at Bungie while working on uh, the lore books there so please go watch it uh support his voice and others voices during this time um it's about supporting them and helping raise awareness to what happened and it's not about bringing attention to yourself if you're going to those videos to people at bungie who are trying to bring attention to you know, what happened there and then complaining about how you don't like a roll on a certain weapon, you're trash, you're garbage. This isn't about that. This is about supporting them. Completely agree. And it's about raising awareness and helping them get through this hard time. So like, let's be a good community and come together and like support them. And unfortunately, this isn't endemic to the gaming industry, but it's all industries like I've had this happen at my own work and I know a lot of people who've done PhDs and grad school work have had this happen to them too. 
And so if you're experiencing this at your own workplace, like just know that you're not alone. Um, if you feel safe enough, speak up because there are probably other people going through this too. Um, if you don't feel safe, it's okay to bail. Just like find people to talk to, like find that support structure. It's so important. And, and ultimately you need to do what's right for you. Exactly. Exactly. That's the most important thing. You know, it's your life. You need to live it how comfortably you can. Mm -hmm. Do what's right for you. Don't do what people force you to do. If you think you need to live in the shadows, it's hard. It's a hard life. But, you know, do what is right for you, unfortunately. Um, but we support the people at Bungie and their voices. It's hard coming out and doing this, but you can tell over the past year, you can tell by Bungie's writing has gotten better and Bungie as a company has tried harder. They've be between like making different teams of like supporting Black Lives Matter and supporting trans lives and supporting LGBT and supporting um, like accessibility yeah. and stuff like you can tell that they are doing their best as a company and they are trying to make it a better place. And you can tell by the way that they're writing and you can tell by what they're writing into their game that they're trying to become a less toxic workplace. Me personally, I will still support them as a company like you as a listener and you as a, a person that plays their games and supports their company like and consumes their media you need to decide what's best for you so if like this coming out you've decided that you don't want to support them anymore like that's that's your deal yep like i think what them coming out and saying like yeah do you know what we did wrong and we're really sorry and this is what we've done already to take good steps in the right direction like i think that is it's not really brave. It is what they should do, and they're doing their best. And the fact that they're, they were already starting to make changes to the actual workplace mm -hmm. before the article came out, it, it shows that they realized it's an issue. Yeah, I think that speaks volumes for them. So, yeah. But um, do try to lend your voices in support of the people who've come forward. Um, try not to make it about you or about complaints that you have about the game or about things that have nothing to do with... Don't comment on their stories with shit that has nothing to do with what they're talking about because that is that is not right. Like, it's let's support them, please. Like, just, just don't be an asshole. They're, they're people. <laughs> And they're, they're going, they're human. They're going through some, some tough issues. Yeah. Let's just be good people. They don't need to listen to your bungee pleases. Yeah. Let's just, let's just be good people. Okay. Let's, let's move on. Yep. Um, this is going to be a long episode. Rindle's going to go on strike. I'm pretty sure oh he's God. going to. Rindle, I'm so sorry. Are you now? Are you really? I suspect the answer is no, but I mean, I'm 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 still doing this. So But we have the 30th anniversary it came out. Yeah. 
<laughs> Yay, are you guys having fun? I'm having so much fun with the 30th anniversary. I find myself logging into Destiny because I want to. Right? <laughs> so weird. Like, I'm, I'm actually having a lot of fun with this. I'm opening Destiny because I'm like, I want to play Destiny now. And, and I think a lot of it for me is that the dungeon is fun, but Dares of Eternity, Star Horse is so amazing. Star Horse is so cool. <laughs> Star Horse has so much personality in Winnie's and exuberant berets. <laughs> now, now, for the people who don't actually know what we're talking about, if you have subtitles on, each Bray or Nay or Winnie is different. Yes, that's that's true. Every single one is different. Um, the lightning rounds have some very interesting Star Horse noises. <laughs> um, Elemis actually pulled a couple of them. Because these are ones that I recorded. Before we started. Yes. Like the Paraverse yes. spanning Nay of Victory. Or the paracosically improbable nay of exultation. <laughs> oh my god. Those are just... I cannot even... I've only done two lightning rounds and they were both like very <laughs> scary, fraught. Like we were low manning legendary yep. rounds. And of course those are the two rounds that I got lightning rounds on. And then like two of the four people that I was running with got disconnected. So it's just me and one other person. And we're essentially screaming. All of our stuff is locked and we're just trying to not die. So that was we're just like. Ah! That is worse than what happened during my first or second lightning round. That that just sounds chaotic, fun, but chaotic. Oh, it was super fun, but I was I didn't know what to expect because I had never done one before. And then suddenly they're like, capture the zones, don't die. And I'm like, <gasps> right. and then people are dropping out. And yeah, and I'm yeah, it, it was just like, please don't die. And then I just die immediately. <laughs> I'm like, oops, sorry, didn't mean to. Um, but do you get real like menagerie vibes from doing this? Oh my god, yes. Wait, hold on. Maybe just because I what? What? How did I not notice that? Yeah, uh, they I, they used a lot of the uh, the same mechanics. Yeah, they really did. Like the vex heads. Yes, the Vex heads are for Menagerie, trying to break shields, you use little Vex heads. Um, the Taken Ogre, who you noted is named Cash and Prizes yeah. in the lightning round. Oh no, my not, God. not in the lightning round. It's uh, That's a different... The second in, round. During the... Right, during the second round is named Cash and Prizes. Um, yep. Didn't know that was his name that you throw orbs at. I think that's another menagerie that is a different is ogre but yeah that's a different ogre god there's there's uh... there's one hive ogre and one taken ogre the taken ogre is cash and prizes and when you and when you kill him you get extra strange coin and a possible loot drop you get cash and prizes from cash and prizes oh that's why i got that's why i got stuff when we killed him that makes so much sense no way okay that make 
Oh my gosh. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. All right. I get it. I get it. I see what you're doing, Bungie. You're so funny. You're so funny. But yeah, the the Vex uh, boss in the end, that was totally just like the Vex boss in Menagerie. Yep. Yes. I recognized him. Yep. They changed the mechanic to bring down his shield. But aside from that, like it was the same mechanic of having to dodge the gates and everything. Yeah. I was like, I know this. Yeah. I recognize this. <laughs> I know you. And and I want it yeah. and, and I want it noted that um in the show notes I have Orchid plus the nine themed menagerie equals reunited and it feels so good. <laughs> it does. It feels really good. I miss menagerie so much. Anyone who's listened to this knows that I love Menagerie. It was one of my favorite things we ever did. And the Forges. And the Forges. Oh, I miss the Forges so much. Please I'm hoping <laughs> that when they bring the weapon Forge to us in Witch Queen, it's going to be like the Forges. But we don't know that yet. Yeah, we've got no, no details on that. No, but I'm hoping it's like the Forges. So. Yeah. Hopes and prayers for that <laughs> out. I hit my mic. That hurt my hand. Okay. Crota is here. Yep. That was a shock. That was the first boss that I ever fought. And I'm like, me too. The fuck is this? <laughs> like, I was really confused when I walked in. I'm like, um, I saw Crota and I'm like, oh, got to bring down the shield. Shoot. Immune. Why is he immune? <laughs> yeah, I know. And then I see a bunch of people just running with Adam with swords and slapping him. And I'm like, oh, but the music was was Crota music. Oh my god, yeah. And so I was like, oh, this is bringing back so many memories. And it just like, it gave me real D1 feels. Oh, and it felt so good too. Yep. I feel that the 30th anniversary is just like, it's just a nostalgia train. You can tell that Bungie just had fun making this. They really did. They, and, and they tied it in kind of lore-wise. By saying, you know, it's the paraverse, so like parallel realities all exist, which is why we're right. we're able to fight enemies that we have killed. Mm-hmm. And once the star horse leaves, the dares are gone. Right. So like they've tied all that in lore wise. But that aside, like you can just tell that they were just like, fuck it. Let's just have fun with this. Mm-hmm. It, it's so good. And I'm just enjoying this and it's such a joy to do yeah it's and it's and it's it's kind of exciting and i love the the danger of trying to shoot my way through the little like danger obstacle course (laughs) trying to guess like trying to get star horse's favor so i can have like the little like rainbow crown so i can have infinite gallarhorn oh my god i never thought i would have gallarhorn as my primary like oh my god <laughs> i know um, primary gallarhorn is broken <laughs> especially if you have the catalyst done it's so great oh yeah it's so great it's so much fun but the best theory about dares that i've heard mm-hmm. my clanmate had read it somewhere and he was like yeah this theory is that one of the nine learned all he could about humanity through game shows oh so like he's 
they're still trying to learn about guardians so they're like you know what throw a game show (laughs) oh my god i mean that makes sense (laughs) there's always a thing that says if aliens ever learn about humanity it's going to be through voyager and they're like or through radio signals from us and it's always going to be television shows yeah and like radio shows but mostly television shows and that's a lot of like game shows from the 50s and 60s and that stuff because they were broadcast first yeah yeah so if people learn about us and that's we're very noisy our planet is and actually i think there was a futurama episode about that yeah (laughs) but yeah but yeah if people learn about us through radio signals or television it's going to be through television it's going to be through you know game shows and old television shows which probably isn't the best media to learn about our planet yeah yeah you, you probably got a point there yeah so uh what do you think about the dungeon grasp of a- grasp of avarice you were about to say alice yes be me avarice i don't know how to speak right now so <laughs> um it's fun going in blind was the best experience oh it really was yeah because you're like not expecting half the stuff that happens to you nope like the indiana jones portion of it when i did it blind (laughs) i did it when i was with oz and hippie and one of us were not on mic so (laughs) (laughs) only two of us were talking and hippie knew who was not on mic with us knew where everything was but oz and i did not it was kind of a shit show. It was very fun. That is amazing. But I love like, I love the Goonies slash like the pirate theme it has. Oh my god! Like yeah. I, I, for people who don't know, like I live where Goonies was filmed, so like I see that shit like every day. So this is like, this <laughs> is literally like where I live. Is like the Goonies. It's very cool to see it. You know, kind of in a in a game and and like they neat and like they really leaned into it especially with the names they really did yeah you know yes captain of avarok Mm -hmm. the covetous yeah r matey yeah rm80 the shank is r matey i love that like that's so funny um grisbrax a boson of avarok um the fuck's a boson which uh, or a bosun. Uh, a bosun is someone on a ship that tends the ropes and sails of a sailing ship. Uh, I do ships. <clears throat> when I was younger, um, I was an adventure scout. I was not a Girl Scout. And we did a lot of sailing on tall ships. So I actually was a, a bosun. That was my that was my job. When you grow up in San Francisco, that makes sense. You, I mean, you know, it it kind of makes sense because boats are made out of trees. What? <laughs> Pirate boats, at least, are made oh, out of wood. Wood sense. is just tree ham. So yeah. I mean, uh. <laughs> oh. We we need to have a talk about the specifics of naval terminology. So a ship is a big one. A ship can hold a boat. The inverse is not true. 
My grandfather, who was a petty officer in the Navy, is rolling around in his grave right now. So, you know, I'll just I'll just let Tubbo speak on his behalf. I beg your fucking pardon, bitch! <laughs> you were like, oh, hey, what are boats made out of? Wood. I'm going to learn about wood. <laughs> I mean, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, the dungeon had a real zero hour vibe. It did, yeah. It had some of the same sounds. It a lot of traps. Like it was just, it was fun. I am excited for it to be farmable mm-hmm. because as of recording, you know, it, they haven't put out that that patch for it yet. That is going to be coming out tomorrow, December fourteenth. Mm-hmm. And apparently, by running it on master, the armor that drops has an extra mod slot specifically for seasonal mods yes and that's really exciting too yeah um i look forward to doing the master i haven't done that yet i haven't either but i really need a backpack to do that i'm too much of a of a pussy to do that on my own i need a backpack (laughs) i i haven't (laughs) i haven't done master either yeah i've only done it i've done it several times not having i got zero guns on my first run through so i've only gotten armor out of it and it made me really sad so i don't have any of the destiny one guns that you could get out of the dungeon yet but the the only returning weapon that i'm missing is matador 64 oh okay so you got eyes luna oh and eyes luna i forgot about that one oh, okay um i've gotten a few thousand yards stare. none that are great yet but we still got plenty of time to grind this out mm-hmm. and i've gotten a few armor pieces the dungeon's not going away right as far as we know the dares of eternity is going away when witch queen drops but the dungeon is staying the dungeon's separate from everything as and this is as far as i know um it wasn't entirely clear but right there's there's been zero official word on it this is all just us figuring things out and talking things out with you know other people yeah but galley is back yeah um so would you say it is better than it was in d1 and how do you like the catalyst i think it's comparable to d1 you think so and and that's year three gallerhorn yeah i it is not d is not year one galley right it's not op no I mean, it is for dares because you can get infinite ammo. I would say if you're with another person who has it and you get those wolf pack rounds, it is OP. But you need to be running other people who have it. Right. Because you get that extra damage. It depends on the team composition. Yeah. If you have a team running galley, you get that extra damage. I think it is OP. And having that extra rocket in the chamber helps. And and it's meant to be that way, you know the the more yeah. wolves in the pack, kind of thought. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm I'm having fun with it, and I think a lot of the comparison is the fact that enemies in D two have a lot more health; they are a lot tankier. Yeah. So they had to make it stronger in order for it to be comparable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
But um, I love I love the ornaments you can get for it. The ornament you can buy is the spanker from Halo, which like just kind of makes me go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the one that you can get from getting all the bottles that are hidden uh, in the dungeon is really pretty. It is. So I'm lucky enough that Kenny ran me through and helped me find all of them. That was really nice. Yeah, I, I still need to do that. Yeah. Um. I, also, the little lore snippets that you get from listening to all those bottles is really neat. It, it tells a really cool story. Yeah. As you go through the dungeon. The dungeon is so well thought out and the story is so neat. And and like I like the fact that it's all self-contained. It is very self-contained. It's a very cool like story. For, yeah. for this dungeon, it really works. Mm-hmm. It does, yeah. You know, it's very cool. You know, the fact that you don't have to have yeah. the backstory of the Dreaming City or, you know, how the Ascendant Plane became part of the Dreaming City or how the Dreaming City became a part of that or, you know, why you're diving down into the pit or whatever. Like, the fact that you don't need any of that, it, it makes it nice. They did play heavily into the loot cave, though. And they did. for those of us in D1 that abused the shit out of it when it was still around <laughs> um like this was this was the loot cave and yep. how you start out the encounter is how the loot cave worked right they took what people actually did in d1 to farm the loot cave and they were like oh let's make that an actual mechanic that is the mechanic. You just stand there and shoot things as they're spawning in there and you just let them collect in there. <laughs> Don't let them come out of the cave. You just kill things in the cave and just let them let them build up in the cave. That's how you do it. Like it's ma it's amazing. That's what we did. Mhm. Mm it's so great. It's oh, it's amazing. It's it's such a joy. Just everything about it. And every time you do it, you learn like a little bit more about it. <laughs> Yep. I love it. Uh, the Forerunner sidearm. How do you like it? I haven't used it yet. Really? I've I've been having so much fun with, with Galley and some of the other weapons that I just, I haven't been able to use it yet. Oh, okay. All right. Have you? Well, yeah, I've used it a little bit. Um, it's a sidearm. It takes green bricks. So I'm just like, eh. But honestly, like sidearms were not in a good place until this last update for PC players because sidearms were just not in a good place. Yeah. Unfortunately. But the Magnum sidearm in Halo C is one of my favorite weapons. It's super OP and you can honestly use it for everything. In Halo, it's super, super accurate and it has a really high range of was it's like 123 meters or something and it does a lot of damage against like both shielded and like unshielded enemies and you can like you can one tap a lot of enemies with it it's stupid jeez you can pretty much get through like any engagement just with um the magnum the magnum i can speak i hope so this is what this is based on. And yep. having it back is really, really nice. Well, and, and you can tell so. that that's what it's based off of, especially with the quest name Magnum Opus. 
Yeah. It's really, really cool. So, I mean, doing it and then like the whole quest is really neat and you pull it out of like a um, stasis chamber and it's, it's really cool. So, I mean, for Halo people, it's going to be the quest is really nice. Yeah. You'd think you'd want to use it in PvP, but really like it, it probably shines more in PvE. You don't want to use it in PvP because it takes green bricks and that takes away from using a shotgun. So there are there are other weapons that are better. This is more of a PvE weapon, I think. But it's a a cool weapon. I like using it. I like the lore behind it. It's really neat. Yeah. So there are other weapons. You want to talk about them? Uh, So there's the BXR 55 Battler. (gasps) Yay! And that's pretty much just the the halo battle rifle it feels so good it's my favorite gun i have one with um two of the new perks perpetual motion and blunt execution rounds and it's so fun but then there's two energy swords one of which allows you to sword skate again half truths with eager edge perk is pretty good from what i hear um, and the, the energy swords are based off of Halo, Halo swords. Yeah, they are. The energy swords are, um, or I mean, they're just the energy swords. But since you tried to, I was <laughs> letting you try to get through that. <laughs> um, the way you get half truths uh, with Eager Edge to perk or, or you get the perk to actually proc. Thank you. Um, is just switching weapons. Uh, that's how you get to proc. Oh. And then you lunge. And then you lunge very far. <laughs> so if you can quick swap and then lunge very far, very far, very fast. There are videos out now about it. It's very good. So if you can get half truths with eager edge, that is what you want. If you want to go, fa- if you want to go fast. Okay. Half truths with eager edge, and you too can be rolling around at the speed of sound. Got places to go, gotta follow my rainbow. Okay, that's enough. If you want to go very fast, it's very good. Um, there's also a marathon shotgun called the Wastelander M5. There's the Halo Beam Rifle, which is called the Retraced Path. It's our very first legendary trace rifle. I love using it. It's so much fun. Like I said, I, I've been having fun with some of these weapons. That's one that I, I picked up for a little bit. And then I was like, I miss my battle rifle. So like, I'm going to come back to, to that one and see how it feels, You know how it does in damage. But that battle rifle... I actually have that one with one for all on it, which is the worst perk in the entire game. But I was just like melting through enemies. (laughs) It's so stupid. (laughs) I was actually having fun with it. It's such a meme weapon. It's so much fun. It's just (laughs) and it doesn't feel like a it doesn't feel like a trace rifle because it feels like a flamethrower and it sounds like a flamethrower. That's fair. Like it's. It's great. It's it just feels fun. It's it's very dumb. That's that's fair. Uh, and then the last weapon that they've introduced is called 
pardon our dust. It's a grenade launcher in the kinetic slot, if I remember correctly, or is it the energy slot? Yeah, I it's in the kinetic slot, and I have huh. not used it yet. I've gotten uh, blinding rounds on it uh, on one of them. Uh, I have a couple pretty good rolls, but I have not used them yet, really. I just a lot of these guns I've gotten, and then I just kind of put them away. But I don't have all of the guns yet because I've gotten a lot of like sword rolls, <laughs> and I've been so focused on trying to get eager edge that i'm just kind of ignoring everything else until i get my one true <laughs> eager edge perk <laughs> and i'm like fuck everything else until i get this you're trying to get your one true sword and then you're gonna be like all right now i can look at everything else yeah pretty much yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much yeah yeah uh exactly and on those new weapons they've added new perks uh, so yes. So lots of new perks. We're gonna go into the actual names, but if you want to see what they do, look it up online. Um, there's perpetual motion. There's blunt execution rounds, which is only on the battle rifle. There's eager right. edge. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's eager edge. There's cold steel. Duelist trance. Golden tricorn. Pace Yourself, which is the exotic perk for Forerunner, and Pack Hunter, which is the exotic perk for Gallarhorn. Blunt execution rounds, I do want to say, um, requires punching, which is super great. So Titans will really like it. Yep. But blunt execution rounds feels really good because I'm a very punchy warlock. So I have the same role. I have blunt execution rounds and perpetual motion, which is a very Halo role to have on a battle rifle. <laughs> Because you have that strafing and it's a very kind of like melee heavy roll. And so it just, it feels so good. It feels so good to hip fire this like kind of melee gun. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's amazing. There's a lot of patch notes. Go check them out yourself. There are so many words. Just go read them. We're not going to go over them. So many words. So many words. A photosensitivity update. That drops this past week. I the first thing I did was hollowed layer. It's not horrific anymore. I can actually play it. So what they did actually works. I sat in orbit after I played it and like actually cried for like 10 minutes. (laughs) Which it sounds really stupid, but I haven't been able to play that strike in years. Well, I have been sort of, but not really. It was already still horrific before the update for beyond light but after beyond light it was actually unplayable completely right but being able to actually participate in the strike rather than just sitting in a corner yeah it felt really nice so and that's good yeah it's been it's been really nice to not feel like i'm completely left out of the game anymore so thank you and that's good i really appreciate it and and this is why they they formed that accessibility group in Bungie is because they found out that the game was causing all kinds of medical issues for people and this is the first step you know not everything is fixed from what it sounds but this is a good first step i'm not crying you're crying i'm always crying mm. but thank you 
I really appreciate it. It was really nice. I can finally play stuff and not have to worry as much. Right. Which is really nice. I can finally enjoy it. And like how many people were in the same situation that they loved the game, but they couldn't play it because of photosensitive issues. A lot of people. Right. So like I said, it's it's a good first step. Mm -hmm. So Bungie... But anyway, everybody there, keep keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Like so much. Anyway, this is our uh, last toggle of the year. So um, happy holidays from us to you. Happy holidays. It doesn't mean we don't have uh, extra episodes because we're going to actually record a bunch of little lores, like a bunch of them. <laughs> so they're going to get weird towards the end because we're going to record a bunch all at once. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So when you get when when and and we'll have you guys, girls and non-binary people covered until after New Year's. But uh, yeah, they're going to they're going to start getting weird towards New Year's yeah. cuz we'll have recorded them all in like one day. Yeah. But you won't have you won't have all the you won't have toggle stuff in the beginning. You'll just have lore. I'm sure all of you people who are like I just want lore I'm sure all of you will be very happy. You won't have all this bullshit in the beginning. <laughs> you'll, just, you'll just have lore. So you'll get your Christmas wish. <laughs> New year wish. Whatever. <laughs> but um, the dawning does start tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow for us. Uh, Friday. Friday this drops. It has already started. So uh, if you see me in the tower, I'm going to throw snowballs at you. Just be ready. <laughs> And I, there is one thing I'm good at is snowball throwing. I will hit you. I don't mess. So for our listeners, um, the reason she's saying this is because before starting recording, I found out that there's an actual stat tracker for snowball final blows. So heck yeah, expect a lot of snowballs in your face. Heck yeah. <laughs> heck yeah. I love snowballs. I I do have to share one dawning memory, and then we're going to get into War Network (laughs) ad and Mm -hmm. stuff. But in the first dawning they had in D2, there were snowballs all over in the entire game, and they weren't just relegated to the tower. So there were snowballs in strikes. Mm -hmm. There were snowballs in raids. There were snowballs just in the world. So you could use snowballs in raids against enemies and against Callus. So we did Leviathan with snowballs. And it was probably the most ridiculous fun I've ever had in my entire life. And probably the best memory I have of Destiny was that dawning with snowballs. And I really hope they try to bring that back i know it's probably not feasible right but it was a lot of fun to have just random snowballs and like nightfalls and they did a lot of damage too that's what i think is going to happen because why else would they have final blows because you don't really kill a guardian i don't know i don't know were they in crucible no and not not that i know of i think they might have been if they were then i i never dealt with it I don't remember if they were in Crucible, but I do remember they were in Nightfalls, too. 
Because back then we had nightfall cards. Right. When we wanted to do nightfalls. So um, it was like an extra gimme for three weeks that we had these snowballs that we could use and do extra damage on enemies. So, you, yeah, your stuff would lock, but you got all this extra damage from snowballs. And we everyone got ridiculous scores during the dawning because we all had snowballs. Or we would make these ridiculous cards and we would still be able to um, get all this extra damage because of snowballs. It was a lot of fun. It was so much fun. Oh, yeah. People were doing dumb things with snowballs. Snowballs were just super OP. I don't even remember if they nerfed snowballs. I, I don't think they did. <laughs> I don't think they did either. I think they just they let us have snowballs for three weeks and then they just quietly went away and then never did it again because then they were just relegated to the tower the next year. And then we were all very disappointed we didn't have snowballs the next year after that. Yeah. But man, if they brought back snowballs and like nightfalls and raids again, oh, that would be amazing. Absolutely. But yeah, that was a good memory. Good memories. <laughs> but you know what All else right. is good? Lore Network ad? This Lore Network ad. The Lore Network ads. Is it going to be good though? Does it have snowballs? I'm pretty sure if you ask, they would. I don't think it would though. Let's find out. The Lore Network. Tune into the Spin Foil Theory podcast for questions. Who is an or? Who is an or? What is what is an or? What is that? For queries. Did the hive really just body shame the Vex into changing their frames? For special guests. All the guests. For Spin Foil Theories. Mario Sabbath Moon. The Spin Foil Theory podcast. Insert information here. So why didn't he didn't give the he didn't give the information we didn't give, he didn't give the information? Oh, uh, Spinfoil Theory is available on Spotify, iTunes, and Podbean. Uh, you can also get us at at Twitter at Spinfoil Theory and or uh, uh Spinfoil Theory at gmail.com. There were no snowballs. What do you mean? I got pelted with one. That sounds like a you problem. <laughs> <laughs> so. This is a little lore episode. Some lore isn't pressed neatly into lore books, but they add to the overall universe of destiny. So we're going to use these little lore episodes to do a dive into these individual lore tabs. Orchid, would you like to go? Yes, I would. I would love to go. All right. Well, so tough luck. You got to read. Radiant Asip- <laughs> You're so mean. Okay. <laughs> So this is the Radiant Occipiter. So how it's obtained is finishing the Birds of Prey quest by collecting 100 feathers in the Harbinger mission and finding the ship. Is it really 100 feathers? Yep. Really? Well, it says 100, but I, I think some gave you extra feathers. Okay. I don't remember getting 100 feathers. I just remember getting the ship. And I I remember it being a, a weekly thing that you had to go several weeks in a row. Get your feathers. Yeah. I just I just remember you had to do it like a couple weeks in a row. I didn't remember you had to get a hundred feathers. I just remember you had to get go get your feathers for the week. I think each week ended up giving you thirty three feathers if you got everything. Oh, okay. 
That makes more sense. So, like, if you got all the hidden feathers around the Harbinger mission, if you completed the first and second encounters, like, you would have 33 by the end. I mean, okay. Anyway, it's a really pretty ship. I really like it. Um, I don't use it, but I like it. Uh, we're doing this one this week because last week's episode, we talked about the Radiant Occipiter in Chapter 6 because that's Crow's ship. Yep. That's why we're talking about it this week. Relevance. Which I I feel like we should talk about before we get into it. We did re-record Chapter 6 and didn't mention like anything else about what was recorded. We just mentioned like the very first part of the chapter six, not the rest of it <laughs> or comment on anything for the rest of it because we had already recorded. And yeah, we had already recorded. Um, yeah. They released the last half of that entry after we recorded. Long after we had recorded. So we're sorry that we didn't say anything about it. That just kind of happens sometimes, but the most I mean, the most notable time was with the uh, Awoken of the Reef and the Maracena. There were like right. four or five entries that got released like halfway through the year. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. That's why we had uh, like one of our early episodes. That's why there's like four or five entries that we just tacked on as an extra episode for you know, Marasena and Awoken mm-hmm. of the Reef. It was because until those entries got released, like we thought we had everything done. We were just lucky that it got right. released as we did the episodes. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So this kind of stuff happens. Yeah. It's it's kind of silly. I mean it happens. It, I think it was an error in how it pushed to um, to Ishtar and different things. But, I mean, we got it out now. And it definitely changes the entire way it reads. It does. Uh, I mean, we, we can talk about it after it's done if you guys really want to hear about it. But, yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel bad for Crow. That's a, I mean, that pretty much it boils down to I feel bad for Crow. I'm going to read this now. How about that? Sounds good. Uh, the flavor text. Yeah. The flavor text for the Radiant Occipiter reads, a paracausal ship. That's a new one. No navigation system, no controls, no computer on account of it responding directly to your thoughts. Not much to tinker with under the hood, mostly because there ain't no hood neither. Amanda Holiday. Freedom is a chain. Choice is a prison. You see him, and all he wishes for is confirmation of that fact. But to do so would invoke something far worse than justification. You can feel his hand reaching inside of you, grasping for your heart and tearing it free for himself. You know the pain he will cause. In one last act of defiance, you break your shackles, exerting the strength you had been slowly gathering all this time. Physical chains break, but chains of causality are not so fragile, even for you. You see him and he is satisfied. Then he is gone. Your roar of defiance echoes into the infinite. 
You know they will witness. It is only a matter of time. I am the last speaker. During the long years, I have held this title. I also held out hope that my peers still remained somewhere in this world or others. But that hope, like this title, has been taken from me. I compose these thoughts on the eve of what may be well my passing within the cold walls of a prison. So dark and suffocating. Not my private chambers. They are my last words, but also perhaps my most important. My captor desires knowledge, understanding, a clarity that even I have been denied by the traveler. He does not understand how hard it is to communicate, does not care to. He would take rather than have the patience to be given. He asks me to make the traveler see him, speak to him. But he does not understand. I cannot make the traveler do anything. I can only listen and repeat. But he does not wish to listen to the warnings to me. He does not wish to believe that he will be reduced to memory, fail. I have seen it. I have seen so many things. Before that shackle was put around the traveler, it cried out to me. It showed me a broken mask repaired by gold on fracture seams, everything I needed to see. A lifetime of service rewarded. I do not need to be afraid of the speaker any longer. There is no need for fear that time has passed of us, of my peers, of our order. In the time to come to make a choice, the traveler will speak freely. Those who listen will know the dangers to come, and those who know will listen. They are not forgotten speakers, for our time has passed. A new age is dawning, and I wish I would live to see it. I am the last speaker, and I am at peace. So, for our reader's clarification, the reason Orchid went down some octaves during some of that reading is because there are double pipes in this reading, just like whenever we read for the traveler and, and that this is actually an extension of um, one of the lore books from season of Dawn constellations. Essentially it's the, the speaker's final moments. I really like having pipes because it gives different kind of weight to those kinds of words. And so is it really, it's his innermost thoughts. Like when you see, but he does not wish to listen to the warnings or to me towards the middle. So when he talks about he, it's gall. Yep. And so gall does not wish to listen because this is talking about the red war. Right. So Gaul does not wish to listen to the warnings that the, tr that the speaker um, thrust upon him. Because for people who played the Red War, there's a, a stark memory that I have from playing that is the speaker kind of trussed up by his, um, by his wrists and ankles, just kind of like hanging there, like with this really stark lighting. And... Pretty much telling like, Gaul to go fuck himself. <laughs> like, Pretty much. 
like and saying like, no, I'm not going to like, I can't tell you to make the traveler see you because like traveler doesn't listen to anybody. Traveler does what traveler wants to do. Traveler's not going to do what, what traveler doesn't want to do. Like you can trap the traveler as much as you want. Traveler's going to do whatever traveler wants to do. And, you know? and I think his line of, I only said that I speak for the traveler. I never said it speaks to me. Right. Because like that's very telling of the relationship there. The, tra- mm-hmm. the traveler just transmits it and in mm-hmm. weird ways. Everybody expects speakers to have these prophetic, you know, understandings of, of what the, the traveler right. is and, you know, what it wants. But it's not that way at all. It's not. And also when we've learned this from constellations is that the when the traveler actually speaks to speakers it's usually in images and not in words and so it's very open-ended yep you never know what you're actually hearing or i wouldn't say hearing you're not you don't know what you're seeing and so it's very open to interpretation so you have no idea Really. And so two speakers could see the same thing and vastly interpret it differently. Yeah, exactly. So it kind of boils down also to experience and, you know, having that experience and that knowledge and that life, you don't know at the end of the day. And also like kind of, I remember there was one speaker that was like plagued by those visions Yep. That they'd have. Oh, no, I was just, I'm looking at, he does not understand how hard it is to communicate. And I know that the mask that the speaker wears helps him communicate with the traveler. Right. It amplifies it. Especially since the traveler was, yeah, and because the traveler was asleep, it helped him amplify it. And like the cages around the traveler, light is not leaving it, that that cage. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So most likely, the messages from the traveler aren't leaving the cage either. Like, right. it's stopping all signals. And Gaul just doesn't understand that. <laughs> it showed him a broken mask repaired by gold on fracture seams. And we know that we've seen that before. It was in Zavala's office. Now, my question is, do we actually see the mask fixed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fixed. It's in Zavala's because office. I thought you it, can go see it. Because I thought it was just two pieces put on, on stands next to each other. Uh-uh. It's fixed. Okay. Pretty certain it's fixed. I don't know. I'd have to go in his office and look. Right. But this isn't the first time they've talked about things fixed with gold and seams. Because we also had... Um, we also had them talking about fixing eggs with yep. gold and seams. Also, um, the same kind of thing, but Elixney doing that. So now they're mixing those two. Um, and and that was from uh, Weaving a Cocoon. Yeah, that was from, yeah. <clears throat> season of the Splicer. Season mm-hmm. 14. Right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, now, the, the one thing I want to spoon foil on real quick the reason like there was 
quite a bit of of theory crafting involving this entry uh, back when it first came out. And it was because our guardian had just discovered Crow. Um, we were still trying, like he was still working for Spider. And during the Harbinger mission, he leads you through it because he sees visions of a golden hawk. The theory is that Crow was supposed to be the new speaker. Right. Now that we've had, you know, season 15, season of the Lost, um, now that we've actually seen Crow get his memories back of Aldrin, we don't know where that story's going to go. I'm, inter- I'm interested to see where it is going to go, um, but... I never really thought he was the new speaker because ghosts never followed him around. And that was always like a very big telling part of being the speaker. Or did they, but not in a way that you normally would think. Guardians I don't guardians know. happen across Crow all the time. I'm wondering True, if but I'm wondering if the ghosts were drawn to him and their guardians just went with them. And then because they saw who he was, they freaked out. That is true. But I mean, guardians happen across other guardians all the time also. So. Yeah. I mean, that's like saying I come across other humans all the time because I go to the store. I'm I'm just mostly going off the know. fact that he like we don't have anything specifically saying he left the the, the reef. Right. So, like, True. a lot of guardians that stumbled upon him were on the Dreaming City or the Tangled Shore. Um, I actually, I think there was one entry where he went to. It was either Mars or the EDZ, and I don't remember which. But he saved a guardian, and she was about to share some wine with him, and he just left. So, like, we have no actual confirmation that he's ever really left the reef at that point this is true so i mean i don't know we do not know yet i like to hold on to the theory i know it's only got like 10 percent weight to it 20 percent, but it's still fun to think about true 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 i'm interested to see i really like this one i do like the nod to the kintsuji the the ceiling with the gold. Yeah. It was nice seeing that again. Even though this is the first instance and not the second instance. Technically, since we're going backwards. Right. Yeah. But yeah. And honestly. This is a nice entry. And, and honestly, mm-hmm. like the fact that they're they're using Kintsuji for this. Mm-hmm. It's just drawing more parallels when they use it later on. Right. You know, that the Elixni are not too different than us. They really aren't. It makes me wonder, actually, if Savathun is going to steal the Traveler. Or the Traveler is going to leave. I don't know. I'm waiting to see what the end season, you know event is going to be before I right 
solidify before you make any before I solidify th- right. any thoughts. Right. Yeah. It just makes me wonder if they're like making more and more parallels between the two. Absolutely. It just made me wonder. So, Orchid, got any shout outs? I do. My shout out to my favorite ship, uh, since this is usually a little lore thing, we shout out our favorite whatever the thing is that we are talking about for the little lore. Since we're doing a ship, my favorite ship is the Amnestia S2, which is the pulled pork ship. <laughs> Go ahead, Elvis. Oh, way you. to stick to your guns. Uh, I don't well, like pulled pork, but I love the ship. Well, and like you've had to read that lore tab enough, so I mean, <laughs> I read that lore tab like fifteen times on stream because people keep requesting it, and I'm like, sure, let me just open my ship up. <laughs> Since it's the one I use. Oh, that <laughs> don't even have to change ships. That is it's just the one I have that on. That is amazing. I know. <laughs> what about you? Uh, What's your shout out? For me, it's actually a two-way tie. Okay. Um so I like the Halcyon Corvette. It is essentially just a space shuttle with a big ass rocket under it. Oh, cool! It's the one that literally goes off your screen, and if you're oh that really big long one, and and if you're actually using it, like it takes up a good fifty percent of your screen. Like it's just, it's huge. It's obnoxious. It's amazing. Um. And then the other one that I like is one that we're going to be doing a, another little lore for, the Forbidden Memory. Um, I don't use it all that much, but I haven't been able to delete it from my inventory because of the lore tab. It's a, a we'll get into the lore tab, you know, when we actually get to it. But it's just it's a beautiful entry. Makes me cry every time. Oh no. Yeah. It's like black armory papers all over again. <laughs> oh no. But I Oh no. But I'm I'm a sap for romantic things. Like I, I'm a romantic yeah, at heart. We love you for it. Yeah, we love you for it. One of us has to be a romantic at heart. Right. Yeah. So, uh, this is the part of the episode where we like to give special thanks. The audio for this episode was produced by Rindle Zivas. That's at Rindle Zivas on Twitter. The music and artwork in this episode are copyright Bungie. We're able to use it under their fair use policy because they love their content creators. If you'd like to dive into Destiny lore on your own, visit ishtar-collective.net. They're the resource we use to make our show notes. Thank you, Baxter. Thank you, Baxter. And final reminders... You can find us on Twitter at Guardians underscore Lore, at Hey It's Orchid, or at I underscore am underscore Elemist. You can email us at Guardians underscore Lore at Outlook.com. You can leave us a review wherever you find the podcast. And if you do, let us know about it. Uh, and you can do that by jumping into our Discord. The invite is down in the episode description, but if you want to type it out, it's discord.gg slash lorehub. 
So Orchid, say goodbye. Bye. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. Happy Holidays, everyone. Take care. Bye. What is the one that I usually use? I've, I've. Oh yeah, the Amnestia S two is the one I usually use. <laughs> I know. Is that is that fucking terrible? The full pork <gasps> ship is my favorite show. That is Isn't fucking that amazing. Is that fucking funny? It's my favorite ship. It's a pulled pork ship. <laughs> you can make fun of me. Oh, I'm I going allow to. It. I allow it.